themselves. Good morning, everyone. That's much better. Fantastic. Well, my name is Stephen. I'm the assistant pastor here overseeing the youth and the kids. And I just want to, um, to spend a few minutes this morning just sharing a couple of stories. One of them is a story uh, from my life, and one of them is something that happened in the Bible. Um, the first story is about what happened to me, and I want to tell you actually about my friend called John. Now, John's an older guy. He's, um, he's probably a little bit older than my dad. And, uh, but John and I were quite close friends in my previous church. And John and I went quite often to Romania. Over the last 10 years or so, I've been to Romania probably about a dozen or so times, maybe a few more. I've kind of lost track. But John and I would, would go there, and sometimes we'd be part of a big team of 20 people. Sometimes it would just be the two of us, or just with one or two other people. And uh, he quite often came with me, and we travelled around. We did youth activities, we did kids' clubs, holiday Bible activities, and we preached in churches, and we met lots of different people. And on some of the trips we went on, we, we went on kind of planning trips, so just the two of us. And what you need to know about John is that John is what I would call a worrier. He would worry about everything and anything. So we would be traveling somewhere. He'd want to know exactly what time the plane was at, how many hours we needed to get there beforehand. He'd need to know um, what seats we had, whether we need to book the car in advance. All the good stuff that you do need to know, but John would kind of go a little bit over the top. So if he didn't know these things, he would get worried and he would get stressed and he'd get anxious and he'd, he'd email you five times in one day to try and get an answer. And then when you're in Romania, what you need to know about Romanian culture is that it's not very good for worriers. <laughs> it's not set up for worriers. It's a very laid-back, very relaxed culture. And Romanian people, kind of, they, you know, they take it a step at a time, one day at a time. They're not really planners. They don't really look ahead. And so John found this very much a bit of a challenge. He found this very stressful. And there was one particular year, there was quite a few of us who were doing a holy Bible club in a couple of different places. And um, John, the third thing you need to know about John, is that he cannot survive without tea. So he would make a cup of tea first thing in the morning before you woke up. He would make a cup of tea two minutes after you'd finished your last cup of tea. So basically, he, he lived on tea. He couldn't survive without it. And if he didn't have tea, I have to say, he got more and more stressed and more and more anxious and more and more worried. So you can see what it's like traveling with someone who needs constant tea. The problem is in Romania, they don't really drink tea. They drink coffee. So we had to bring our own tea. And uh, one year we went, we counted up how many tea bags we had brought as a team. So 30 people, we had brought 500 tea bags. Uh, and that wasn't enough because we ran out. So you can see what it's like. Just kind of paint a picture of what it was like. Well, one year, we were staying in one place and we had John's travel kettle. This isn't the actual kettle. This is a, a replica I had made, just to remind me. And... Uh, John had his kettle and it went everywhere. It was packed in his bag and it was the first thing that was unpacked when we got to a new place. He'd unpack the kettle, he'd take out the tea bags and he'd put them on, uh, put the, the, the tea on to brew and we'd have a cup of tea. Um, even when we went to guests' houses and they would offer us some of their coffee, which was made in nice little pots rather than using hot, hot water from a kettle, he, he would still insist, well, can I brew a cup of tea? Is that okay? And um, we got to this next place and John took out the kettle and then he realised... I haven't got the power lead for the kettle. What have, I, what have I done with the power lead for the kettle? It doesn't work without the power lead. And so he, he searched his bag. Another thing you know about John is he lost his glasses all the time. So the rest of the team got very fed up with having to look for John's glasses. And this was a little bit like that. The rest of us didn't really want to look for the power lead. So we let John look for the power lead. So he looked for the power lead. He couldn't find it in his case. And that we also shared quite a lot of luggage as we travelled around. We, shared, we only had a few bags and we had lots of resources and things. So, so he, everyone else had to unpack their bags and look for the power lead for this kettle. And John got so anxious and so cross that it got to a point where he couldn't cope anymore. He just threw down the kettle, 
left the room and went for a walk to try and calm down and deal with his tea addiction, I guess you could call it. He's going to deal with his tea addiction. What John never thought to do, be careful here, was look inside the kettle. John had packed the potter lead inside the, te- the kettle. It was there the whole time. But he was so anxious about everything that he really forgot to even look in the place. And I asked him, well, where do you normally put the potter lead? He says, oh, I normally put it... Oh. Yeah, I haven't looked in the kettle, have I? So he found it there in the kettle. So that's what my friend John's like. I'll pop this back down here. Now, in the second story I'm going to tell you about today was probably a little bit like that, but different in a few ways as well. So... There was a big group of people. They were called Jesus' disciples. And I guess within a group of about 12 people, you're going to have at least one person who's a worrier, who's an anxious person, a bit like John, who has real issues trying to just go with the flow. And I don't think Jesus was a worrier. Do you think Jesus was a worrier? No, because I think he's pretty much had most things sorted and knew what was coming. So it must have been quite tricky if you were a worrier and you were traveling with Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about Jesus and about his disciples, and about a big crowd. And I need my friend JJ. Where have you gone? There he is. Come on up, JJ. And JJ and I, we're going to teach you some actions. As I'm going to read certain words out in the story, they're going to be like trigger words. So you have, to, you have to do an action based on that word. So in the story, if I say big, you have to make yourself really big. Just like JJ. Okay, everyone practice. Big. Great. If I say small... Make yourself as small as you can. Make a little small shape with your hands. Fantastic. Small. Big. Small. Small. Big. Very good. Okay. Now, the next one needs needs your interaction as well. Okay? So you can have a rest for a moment. Okay? So, if I say the word noisy, I want everyone on this half of the church to say rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Okay? Wait for it. Wait for it. This side of the church, you don't say rhubarb, you say yada, 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 okay? Now, I've been told this sounds really good, so I just want to try and experiment. So, noisy! That sounds really noisy. Okay, if I say hungry, you have to shout, give me food! I didn't say hungry. Hungry! Great. If I say bread, I want you to pretend you're slicing up some bread in your hand. That's it. Fantastic. Slicing up some bread in your hand. And if I say fish, you have to make some kind of fish noises like this. Right, let's have a practice of some of those, shall we? So, big, small, noisy, hungry, give me food, bread. I don't want some of you guys to make me sandwiches. Whoa, okay. Fish. Great, okay, listen to the story then. Here we go. Don't forget to do the actions. So a crowd had gathered and had started on a journey. This was no small crowd. This was a big crowd. This was a noisy crowd. That's really good. There were thousands of people all headed in the same direction, all on their way to the same destination, all walking miles from their homes and all wanting to see Jesus. And where was Jesus? Well, he had sailed across the Sea of Galilee and was sat with his disciples on a mountainside. 
they'd headed over there to the peace and quiet of the countryside to spend a little time on their own, a place where there were no small crowds, a place where there were no big crowds, and certainly there weren't any noisy crowds. Now, this particular crowd had been walking for quite a while, and they were approaching the mountainside that Jesus was sat on with his disciples. Um, Excuse me, Jesus, said one of the disciples, anxiously, tapping his shoulder to get his attention. I'm afraid I don't think we're alone anymore. Jesus peered into the distance, and he noticed there were thousands of people making their way over to them. He felt sorry for the big... Big... Good, okay. He felt sorry for the big crowd and headed over to greet them with the disciples following close behind. Many people in the crowd wanted to see Jesus to see what he was all about. Some of them were sick and wanted Jesus to heal them, and he did. Bearing in mind that this wasn't a small crowd, but a big crowd and a very noisy crowd. (laughs) This took quite some time, probably the better part of the whole day. It was getting late. And everyone had lost track of time. Everyone's bellies were starting to grumble and groan with the lack of food. They were hungry. Food. Okay. Jesus, can't we send the people away now, said the disciples. It's getting late and the people are hungry. We're in the middle of nowhere. Send them off to a nearby village where they can go and find something to eat. But Jesus didn't send anyone away. He said to the disciples, you feed them. You feed the people. And being slightly confused and slightly worried that they didn't have enough money to go food shopping for everyone, the disciples replied to Jesus, but Jesus, not even eight months' wages would be enough to buy food for all of these people. And they were right. It would have taken a lot of money to feed all of the hungry people. After all, it wasn't a small crowd that was hungry, but a very big crowd and a very noisy crowd. However, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Andrew, one of the disciples, introduced Jesus to a young boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. He gave them to Jesus, who held them up in the air, thanked God for the food, and broke the bread and the fish into pieces. Sharing it around to the disciples, he told them to go and hand it out to all the crowds of hungry, noisy, people. Maybe the disciples thought that Jesus was joking, or maybe they thought that he'd miscalculated how many people there actually were. Or maybe they were just waiting for something to happen, a miracle. But as the disciples continued to hand out the bread and the fish, amongst the thousands of people, they began to realize that the bread and the fish were not running out. At first they handed it out to around 20 people. So there's about 20 people. And then they handed it out to about 100 people. So there's about 100 people. And then it was 500 people. That's more than are here. Then 1,000. And then 3,000. And then even more than 5,000 people. The food kept coming and everyone had been fed. But the amazement didn't stop there. When the disciples collected up the leftovers of bread and fish, they found that they had 12 full baskets. That was more than they started with. And so our story finishes in the same way that it started, with a journey. With fully satisfied bellies, the crowd that was not small, but big and noisy, began the journey back home. 
all the while thinking about what an amazing day that it had been. Give yourselves a round of applause. Well done. Thank you, JJ. Wow. I wonder what those disciples felt as they went through that day. I wonder what they felt, first of all, when their peace and quiet was interrupted by that huge crowd of really noisy people. And I wonder what they felt when they realized that Jesus hadn't planned what was for dinner that night. He hadn't planned what was for dinner that night. And one of them, at least one of them, started to really worry about that. And started to think, oh no, what are we going to do? Look how many people there are. And there isn't a Tesco's just around the corner. What are we going to do? And so I'm just going to read some questions. And what I want you to do is just think of these questions in your head. So would everyone just like to still their, their hearts and their minds and just close their eyes for a moment? And I'm just going to read some questions. And just think them through. Don't answer them out loud. Just think them through in your head. And think about what the disciples were going through that day. I wonder why Andrew noticed the little child with the packed lunch. I wonder why he thought to mention it to Jesus. I wonder why that child was so willing to hand over his packed lunch when it seemed so small. I wonder why Jesus didn't just tell them all to, to, to go home. That would have been easy. I wonder why Jesus made them sit down in groups. I wonder if that child felt happy to give up those loaves and fish to Jesus. I wonder what the child leader said to his friends about what had happened that day. I wonder how the disciples felt as they collected up all the leftovers and saw how much there was. I wonder what the ordinary people in the crowd thought was actually happening. Where was this food coming from? I wonder what Jesus was hoping that they would understand from what had happened. And finally, I wonder what Jesus was hoping that we would understand from what had happened. Amen. Amen. Right, I'm going to invite Chris to come and join me. Is it Nigel? Well, why don't you two work out who it is? Can I just start by welcoming everyone here today? I'd love to give you an especial welcome if you're here to witness and join in with Amos's dedication today. This is a really exciting time for us. We love doing these. It's such a fun thing to do. Can I just tell you what's going to happen over the next few minutes? What we're going to do is uh, we're going to publicly thank God for Amos. Amos, Pete and Hannah, could you all, and Judo, you guys going to come up now? Why don't you come up now? Stand with us. We're going to publicly thank God for Amos. Um, P and Hannah are both going to share, or one of them is going to share, a very brief testimony of why they're doing this, what this is about, and, and then they're going to make some vows of commitment as parents. And then there's a bit where I'd love you all to join in, because part of dedicating a child to God is about committing to uh, bringing that child up together as a church community. So we all have a part in that. We have a part in supporting them as they bring him up. So there's a, a little bit for you to say as well, and I'd love you to join in with that bit so I just thought I'd pre-warn you for that and then we're just going to pray for God's blessing on Amos so would one of you like to share a little briefly about why you're doing this Pete go for it morning um so part of the reason for us to, to to dedicate this little one is because he's such a gift and I don't know whether your house is as crazy as mine um a lot of the time but uh in the midst of the craziness in the midst of the craziness, um, uh. hello. <laughs> it's 
It's about just remembering that this is God's kid um, that's just been entrusted to us. Uh-huh. And just an opportunity for us to thank God publicly for, for the gift that Amos, and Judah is, but today Amos, uh, is to us. Uh, and just really thank God for him. Does that make sense? That's great. Thank you, Judah, for your contribution as well. That was awesome. So dedication is uh, some people in different churches baptize uh, children as infants. What we do in this church is we baptize them as teenagers and adults. And instead, when they're infants, we dedicate them. So we give them back to God. We recognize that they're a gift from God and we give them back to him. So I'm just going to ask you guys a a few questions and then we're going to ask you to say we do as you kind of publicly declare your dedication. So by coming freely before this church, do you declare your desire to dedicate yourselves and Amos to God. We do. Recognizing that Amos is a gift from God, do you promise with his grace and the support of your family and friends to give yourself to the task of bringing him up? We We do. And with God's help and the encouragement of the church family, do you promise to set Amos an example of faith and love in Jesus, praying regularly for him and trusting that he will come to love God and know his undying love for him? Okay, this is your bit. Could we have the slide coming up, please? That would be great. Okay, so we're going to pray this together. If you consider yourself part of this family and you want to kind of join in with this, then please do join in out loud now. So let's do this together. Father God, help us to draw Amos into relationship with you by our example and our love. Please help us as we support and encourage him and his family. We ask you to bless them today and throughout their whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to attempt to pray for Amos at this point, so I'm going to try and grab him. (laughs) Do you guys want to just stay close? Because he's a little bit tetchy at the moment, apparently. Look at that. Okay, let's just have a moment of silence, and let's just pray for him as a community. If you would like to, please do stretch out your hand, um, if you want to, and let's just pray for him silently just for a minute. It may be that you have uh, words that God speaks to you about, Amos. If you do, then I'd encourage you to write those down and give them to Pete and Hannah after the service. So let's pray. Lord, we bless, bless this little boy. We bless him, Lord. We thank you for him. Just fill him with your Holy Spirit now. We recognize, Amos, that you are a gift from God. <laughs> we, was, we were praying for you earlier. We felt that you would be strong and peaceful. Both have great strength and also great peace. We pray for those two things to be together in your life. So the Lord bless you and keep you, Amos. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Should we give him a round of applause? (laughs) Welcome. I'm going to just extract the microphone before he ruins it. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Why don't you take a seat? Oh, wonderful. That's fantastic. Church growth, that is. The natural way. Now, children, you've been so fantastic this morning, and in about four minutes, you're going to be able to go, and we're going to have loads of different activities, which Stephen will come and tell you about. There are about ten different activities going on this morning. So if you can just sit nice and quietly for the next three or four minutes, just while I quickly chat to you guys as well if you want to listen, but mainly to the grown-ups and to the older ones, okay? And if you can just sit nice and quietly, I won't be long, I promise you. 
And then um, we have some activities for everyone, for all ages, all sorts of different ways in which we're going to respond this morning. If you can stick the first slide up for me. Guys, I'm sorry, I don't have the clicker, so if you can do that for me. Um, If you're part of this church, you'll know that um, since September, we've been doing a series called Building for the Future. um, And we were focusing on... um, on praying and on giving and on uh, getting some money together so we could do some physical changes to our building here. And then we moved on from there and we said, you know what, building for the future is not just about the structure, but it's actually, you know, many of you have already given money sacrificially or pledged money to help pay for our physical building. But then through October, we've been focusing on building people for the future. And just talking about how, you know, there's a verse in 1 Peter that says that we are living Stones that actually, when God builds the church, it isn't just the physical building He's talking about, it's the people that's us, that's you and me. And how we do that is by becoming more like Jesus. And we've been looking through the book of Philippians at Paul's encouragement to the church in Philippi, and which we can also take on as encouragement for ourselves to look to Jesus for everything we do. There are a number of key verses. I wasn't here last week, but I was listening to Paul's talk uh, online from last week, and he highlighted just different key verses in that book about how Paul's encouragement to everyone is to look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, how whatever Jesus has started, he will continue. How when Paul says, um, for me to live is Christ, and then to die is gain, and all of that, and then in in chapter 2 where he says, Imitate Jesus. Imitate Jesus with your lives. Imitate his humility. Imitate his character, his serving nature. All of that to look to Jesus. And I just want to highlight three verses at the end of Philippians this morning. And I've actually got them on the screen, but if you want to turn them up in your Bible or on your phone, you can. And it's just chapter 4 and verses um, 5, no, 4 to 7, okay? I don't know if you can read that from there, but I'm just going to read it out to you. And it says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a few key things in there. We haven't got very long, but I just want to highlight three things. The first one is, Paul says, you know, I've talked to you all about following Jesus. I've talked to you all about humility. I've talked to you all about character. I've talked to you about, you know, putting off pretty much everything else, all of this in, verse, in chapter 3, Paul was saying, you know, um, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. It's all been amazing, but all of it is nothing compared to Jesus. And at the end of this letter of encouragement and joy, this is his kind of parting shot to the Ephesians. He says, don't forget, guys, rejoice. When do we rejoice? Always. Always rejoice. When things are really going well, Rejoice. That's the easy bit, isn't it? What about when things are tough? Rejoice. What about when there's illness? Rejoice. What about when the future looks really uncertain or even the future looks really bleak? Paul's message, rejoice. What about when we feel like we just don't know what's going to happen next? Rejoice. What about when we feel completely hopeless and totally weak? 
and like there's nothing left to give. Paul's message, still rejoice. Still rejoice. That's a challenge, isn't it? Rejoice in God always. Because the thing is, he hasn't changed. Our circumstances may have changed. The way we look at life may have changed. He hasn't changed. And that's a really tough thing sometimes. I have had times when I have had to tell myself to rejoice. You know? There's another verse um, in Psalms that says, Awake my soul. Wake up. Wake up. Come on. Rejoice. I have to tell myself that sometimes. But there it is in the Bible. Paul's parting shot to the Ephesians. How are you going to live this life? How are you going to be built up as people? How are you going to follow Jesus and follow his example? By rejoicing at every opportunity. The second thing he says, let everyone see the character of God in your life. The gentleness. The unselfish and considerate nature. One of the other translations says gentleness. It says he is near. He is near. Whatever's going on, the truth is that God is near. The truth is we can rejoice in him. And then he gets to this part, which I just have to declare an interest here, is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. This verse here is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about a few things, no. Don't be anxious about anything. Bring it to God. You can bring, we can bring, I can bring any issue to God. The disciples were anxious about the food. I think the disciples get a bad press because they're all sort of, what are we going to do? Worrying. They actually did the right thing. They brought their worry to God. They brought it to Jesus and said, what are we going to do? I think they were just being good leaders actually, just spotting the problems like ahead of time before, you know, spotting what, was gonna, what the needs are going to be. I like to think of it that way anyway. What does it say will happen when we bring our request to God? It says we will experience God's peace. When we bring our prayers and our requests and our anxieties to God, we experience his peace. What kind of peace is it? It's supernatural peace. It's God's peace. It's not just the kind of peace of, okay, I'll just sit down and be quiet for a minute, watch the telly, or just do something else, calm down, go on Facebook, just, just kind of calm down. It's not that kind of peace I'm talking about. It's a supernatural peace. It's a supernatural peace. You know, the crowd in the story that Jesus, that, um, <laughs> Jesus told, <laughs> he's like Jesus, but not quite there, that Stephen told this morning is... Um, He's, um, you know what I mean. The crowd, they just wanted to get close to Jesus, didn't they? All they wanted to do was just to, to hear him tell some more stories. I mean, you can't really blame them for not thinking about the practicalities. They were just so caught up in the moment. Like, oh, I didn't bring any lunch today. We're just, we're just so desperate to hear, to hear what he has to say, to be close to him. The disciples, as I said, they were the ones who were kind of thinking ahead. They spotted the problem. They brought the problem to Jesus. They brought their anxiety to Jesus. And Jesus says, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus says, "Uh, okay, what are you going to do about it? And they said, well, we've we've got this small boy here and he has a little bit of lunch. Jesus says, okay, fine, that'll do. Bring it to me. Starts to pray. Where did the multiplication happen? Where did the multiplication actually physically happen? It doesn't really say. I think the implication is that it happened as the disciples came to people and gave out the food. I mean, it didn't suddenly go from being 
that much food to that much food. It doesn't really describe it like that, does it? It kind of describes it that he blessed the food and then he started to share it out. And it was the disciples who got to see the miracles happen in their hands. As they gave out the food, in faith, you know, here we go, I've got a basket full of food, I'm going to give it to the first person, and then I'm going to give it to the next person, and I think that's where the miracles happened. They followed in faith, didn't they? I think Jesus sometimes says, come to me with your anxieties, He always gives us his peace. And then I think sometimes he says, okay, you're part of the solution. You're part of the answer. But we've only got these many resources, God. I don't have any energy left. I've got this much. God says, okay, well, let's start with that. But he always gives us his peace. He always gives us his peace. So there's a lesson for all of us there, isn't there? When we've got a problem, whatever the problem is, we need to bring it to him. Whether it's money, whether it's people, whether it's a lack of skills, whether it's a shortage of knowledge or a shortage of time or energy. We bring Jesus what we can. We bring our stresses and our worries and our anxieties to him. And Paul says, you bring them to him and you wait until this peace comes. Now I just want to tell you, can you put the next slide up for me? I have been, um, I've been, I've learned this verse many years. I found a journal from 1990. This is the actual page. My writing's terrible. I was about 20 at the time. And can you see right at the bottom here? At the top it says, emotional security comes from God and God alone. There you go. Here at the bottom is this verse, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I've written that verse in my journal I don't know how many times over the last 30 years. 27 years. (laughs) I don't know how many times I've written that verse. Every time I write, I, I, have, I do write things out because it helps me to learn it when I actually physically write it out. And also because I'm just, I just want to make sure that God can see it. Because if I just say it, I'm not sure if he's heard sometimes. I'm, that's not true. He, of course he's heard. But sometimes for myself, I'm reassuring myself. So I think, well, if I actually write it out, then he's, it's there for him to read all the time. There you are, God. You said this, therefore... That's the truth. I can bring any of my anxieties to you. Now, I was looking at this in my journal, and I was trying to think back to what was happening in my life back then. Um, The truth is that I wasn't in a great place. I'd been in a relationship that didn't work out, failed. I was pretty much wrecked emotionally. Um, God was incredibly faithful to me. And over the years, I've found that I've needed this verse more than any other verse in the Bible. You know, not to be anxious about anything you can't really argue with that statement can you don't be anxious about anything I I still do get anxious about stuff right now there's all sorts of things that are concerning me things to do with the church things to do with home and family and just just life and the balance of life and yet every time there's only really one route that I've got when that happens, when that anxiety kind of comes upon me and it's to bring it to God and to say, okay, I'm feeling stressed about this but in your word it says, don't be anxious about anything. So can I just ask you to be quiet and to bow your heads for a minute? I'm just going to lead us in a prayer and then Stephen is going to come and just share with you all the different activities and there are a whole bunch of things that we can do to respond to this truth this morning. 
We've got plenty of time to do it. We've got 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And then we'll gather back together at the end, just pray and sing a little bit. But I just kind of want to ask all of us, Lord Jesus, you know that there are so many things that we get anxious about. There are so many things in our lives that cause us to worry or panic, that cause us to be concerned or stressed or stretched. And yet there it is in your word, in the book of Philippians, Paul's letter, don't be anxious about anything, rejoice always. Bring your prayers and requests to God and he will give you his peace. And Lord, some of us are anxious about stuff right now. There's stuff going on right now. And we just want to make an active choice to bring those anxieties before you this morning. We place them into your hands and we invite your perfect and supernatural peace to come and take over. That's not a peace that we can make happen or manufacture. That's a peace that only comes from you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is it that you need to bring before God this morning? What is it that's on your heart that you want to bring before him this morning? How are we going to respond? Well, we've laid on several different activities for how we respond to the story of the feeding the 5,000 and also about bringing our prayers before God uh, and being, not being anxious about anything. So I'm just going to explain what those are. And then we've got about 20 minutes or so to just split up into different activity groups all around the, the, the room here and, uh, and choose how we're going to respond today. So some people like to respond in different ways. So some people like to talk things through. Uh, and if you want to talk things through, if you want to be part of the discussion group, well, Chris Law is going to be over in, did I say this corner? Yeah, Chris Law is going to be over in this corner, and he's going to kind of facilitate a discussion group, got some questions to talk about, think about. If there's quite a lot of people who want to do that, we can split into some smaller groups as well. Meanwhile, over in this corner, if you want to do a bit of a Bible study, then Paul's got the tools to be able to help you, to guide you through doing a Bible study this morning. If you're interested in doing that, you can come over to this little section here, where Paul's already sitting. That would be great. Um, if you like to make stuff, make and do stuff, well, we've got quite a few craft activities at the back. So just where we have coffee at the, the start of the service and at the end of the service, we've got lots of different activities out that way. We've got a couple of different craft activities out there. We've got some fish-shaped things to do, some fishy things. We've also got some bread activities. We've got some pizza making. So if you want to do some pizza making, and I think that'll be quite popular, then if you can go with Ellie, there's a table just in the back corner over that way. You can find that in just a few minutes. Not yet. Not yet. Um, if you are the kind of person who likes to write things down, like Nigel was saying, to write things down, read things, maybe, maybe um, express your, your thoughts in that way, well, Anna Payne is going to be doing a bit of a poetry workshop this afternoon. Or this, this morning still, isn't it? And that's going to be just behind the PA desk. There's a couple of tables over there. You can make your way over there for the poetry workshop. And because we've been talking about praying this morning and bringing things before God, we've got a couple of prayer activities this morning just over this side of the hall. You can see there's a bit of a space over there with some uh, prayer stations uh, with Graham and Jane. And that, they will be over there to help kind of guide you in your, your praying and facilitating that for us. It might be that you just want to sit where you are and have a think. And if you want to just have a sit and think, that's fine. You will find some things to help you at either side of the stage and on that desk at the back, in the corner, sorry, 
There's lots of um, kind of Bible verses about the feeding of the 5,000. There's also lots of questions, which you can have a look at yourself, and you can think those through in your own head if you want to do that. Or if you want to find your neighbor and just have a chat with them about what we've been doing this morning or about something else that's come up in your life over the, the last few weeks or will be coming up in the next few days, then that's perfectly okay as well. The key thing is that everyone does something. All right? So, lots of activities. Have a look around. See what grabs your attention. And we'll come back just to finish the service in about 20 minutes or so with a final song. Off you go.